So um, I've titled this sermon The Damascus Experience. It was also, it was actually a recommendation by a creative director. And, um, but really I'm talking about a fresh vision of Jesus. And I'm going to set, set this whole thing up um, by talking about vision and your revelation of him. Are you ready? First of all, let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We love you and we honor you, God. I decrease that you might increase, Father God. And I pray that right now, Father God, that I would speak by the spirit of God. Let it be none of me. Let it be all of you, Father God. And God, I ask that you open every ear in this place, Father God. Make us doers of your word, Father God. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Vision. Let's start there. Vision. It is in the natural. We think about vision as the path or a way to a goal or a dream or whatever it is that you want to accomplish. It's a goal, it's a desire, but spiritually, vision is not about you, and it's not about you ending up where you want to be. Are you tracking with me? You got you to talk back to me. I preach better. Talk back to me. Vision is about seeing the Lord. It's about knowing the Lord. It's about Jesus, yeah, being both the way and the method to the Father. Everybody say vision. Proverbs 29, 18 says that without vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. If you were to look, there you go. If you were to look that up in the Amplified Classic, beside vision, you see it says no redemptive revelation of God. Vision has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with how you see God. Are you tracking with me? So vision is the act of seeing. It is, you know, actual sight. And in scripture, we talk about, uh, we call it a revelation, a revelation of God. And that's what we need today. Our church needs a revelation of God. Our country needs a revelation of God. And why am I talking about a revelation of God? You saying, God, guys, I know who God is. Actually, I'm here. But here's the thing. The more you know about God, the bigger the revelation you have of God, the more of him there actually is for you to love. Does that, does that make sense what I'm saying? So here's what I mean. Um, I can read, I can hear all day that Jesus is a provider, but until I'm actually without and the provider shows up, I didn't really get that revelation. Until I actually needed healing in my body or believe in God for a loved one for healing in their body, that's when I actually got revelation that he's a healer. Does that make sense? When, until I decided to give my all and my life to Jesus, that's actually when I got the revelation that he is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. They told me I got to stand still. I was walking. They're trying to hinder the anointing. I was walking. Listen, it's not until you need strength that you learn that Jesus is your strength. Are you tracking with me? Church, we need a revelation of who Jesus is. And I'm going to reveal to you a different aspect that some of you may or may not even know today. Um, but before I do that, we're going we're gonna to set this thing up talking about revelation. We have such a narrow view of God that we miss it. We miss him sometimes. We're looking for him to show up one way, and when he shows up, we've missed him altogether. Amen? So I want to help you find fulfillment in Jesus. I want to inspire you today to get a, 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 a tighter grip of who Jesus is, and what that could mean for some of us is letting go of some things that hinder us from actually seeing Jesus. It could mean inviting Jesus in, which in turn would allow and make our life better, make us better parents, make us better spouses. Does that make sense? Make our relationships better. Are you tracking with me? 
So let's talk about this thing. Go to Matthew chapter 16. If you have your Bible, if you got your notepad, pull, pull it out and take notes. Gloria don't have her notepad. Here we go. I'm just messing with you, Gloria. Matthew chapter 16 says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That's important right there. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You should write this down or put it in your phone. Here we go. Jesus built his church where the revelation that he is Christ, the son of the living God, exists. I'll say that one more time so you can get it all in your notepad. Jesus Builds his church where the revelation that he is Christ, son of the living God, exists. Let's talk about church for, for a moment. This we've gathered in this beautiful place today is only a building. Brick and mortar. You and I, we are the church. Are you tracking with me? Who's the church? You and I. We are the church. This is just a building. Now, the church is the vehicle for the kingdom of God to operate in the earth with. Are you, are you following me? What does that mean? That means you and I, we are the church. And when we show up, the kingdom of God manifests. The kingdom of God shows up. When I walk into the room, when you walk into the room, so does the kingdom of God. I'll say it a different way. The church is uh, God's agency in the earth. What does that mean? That means that the church, you and I, are the only way that Jesus is going to work in the earth. That's messing up somebody's theology. You and I are the church, and we are here for a reason. And Jesus is going to accomplish what he wants to accomplish through you and I. Does that make sense to me? Now, I messed up. It makes sense to you. Yeah, of course it makes sense to me. I'm teaching it. Duh. Listen. <laughs> and it also says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Against what? The church. Again, you cannot be the church that Jesus built unless there's the revelation of who he is. Are you tracking with me? So gates are meant to keep people out. I have a fence in my backyard. That's not so much to keep the kids in the backyard as much as it is to keep you out of my yard. No, just me. I'm the only one who needs Jesus today. Okay. It's to keep people out. It's to keep people out of my backyard. Now here he says the gates of hell. So here's what I'm saying. You and I, we are the church and we have a job. We should be terrorizing the kingdom of darkness. We should be every day gaining ground. It should be less and less and less of the kingdom of darkness and more and more and more of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of light. Does that make sense? And it says the gates of hell should not prevail against it. That means there's no hinge strong enough. There's no lock secure enough to keep the children of God, the church of God from kicking down the gates of hell. Thank you. 
Listen, 11 a.m., y'all got to come on with me. You got to kick the gates of hell in because that's the only way that the kingdom of God is going to manifest the way it needs to manifest. We should every day be gaining ground. Every day in your sphere of influence, the kingdom of God should show up and every person and everything that is of the kingdom of darkness should run. Mm-hmm. Yes, Jesus. And let me take a moment here and let me squirrel. You got to have this revelation of who Jesus is. And what am I saying? That you have to have a personal relationship with him. Uh, God does not have grandchildren. He does not have nieces and nephews. Yes. As many as believed him, as many as accepted him to them, he gave the rights to be called children of God. Does that make sense? If you're here this morning and you're only here to check a box, I'm so glad you're here. But you're operating without a revelation of who he is. Does that make sense? If you say, well, I'm good because I had a praying grandmother or my mom and dad, you know, we, they, they led prayer and they told us about Jesus. That's that's not having a revelation of who he is. When you have an authentic encounter with who Jesus is, trust me, you know. You know. Here's the second thing that Jesus shows up here. So number one, he builds his church upon your revelation of who he is. And two, he will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. These keys are for binding. These keys are for loosing, which means uh, he gives you the authority to cause the kingdom of God to manifest in darkness. These keys, they represent authority. Does that make sense? Um, You show me somebody With the revelation of who God is, and I'll show you somebody who has authority. Your authority or your lack thereof is an indication of your revelation of God. Does that make sense? Again, unless I have a revelation that God is a healer, I don't even know if I would have the authority over sickness. I wouldn't know how to use that key. Are you are you tracking with me? Okay. You have to use your authority. And so um, notice this as well, that based on your revelation, Jesus does all the work. He does the building and he gives the keys. He does the building. He gives the keys. All you have to do is know him. And it's in knowing him. It's in knowing Jesus that we have everything. I've said before, everything outside of Jesus is counterfeit. Everything outside of Jesus is a lie. But in Jesus is life. In Jesus is peace, security, freedom, salvation. You name it is there. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So here's how do I get this bigger revelation of Jesus? Easy. You look at him. The gospel is not as hard as we make it out to be. Some people think you ain't saved unless you read all 66 books. All you got to do is believe. Jesus said in John 6, do the work. It's believing. That's the only thing that's required. You can't work enough to gain salvation. Amen. It's believing. All you got to do is look at him. And what I mean by that is give him your attention. Give him your attention. We're living in a different day, living in a different age, and you got to seek uh, the Lord on what could personal, personally work for you. But I'm saying he's worthy. He's worth it. So somebody says five o'clock is just a little too early for me to get up and spend with Jesus. I say he's worthy. You see what I'm saying? Somebody says it's a little too cold in my house. I say put the heat on. He's worthy. Yeah. You tracking with me? You tracking with me? Okay. Listen. 
We're still talking about revealing Jesus right here. I'm setting this whole thing up. About a month ago, I was praying before the 9 a.m. service in my office um, with the worship team. And all, I just kind of had this scene kind of play out before my eyes. And um, I realized, hey, I know this scene. This scene is John 1, 29. Um, it's essentially John the Baptist sees Jesus and he says, look or behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so I wrote these words down and... Um, I wrote what the Holy Spirit told me to wrote. I see Jesus on the shores. His face is trustworthy. His outstretched arms are inviting. His heart beats for me. The more I behold him, the more I can feel it all leave. The doubt, fear, angst. I feel it all leave. Jesus is here and so is freedom. Now, I don't know what you may be going through. Whether it's doubt, whether it's fear, whether it's angst, whether it's something I didn't even mention. But those things are in opposition to God. They don't come from God. God doesn't sustain those things. Those come from something else. And those things that are in opposition to God is darkness. Are you following me? Now, just for the sake of teaching, because it could be a number of things, I'm just going to call it all darkness today. Sin, your bad attitude your bad habits, your stealing, your immorality, your idolatry, whatever it is, I'm believing that the Spirit of God is going to tag you where you need to be tagged, okay? So to keep from listing everything, we'll just call it darkness. Are you with me? This includes the darkness of human sin and the dark power of Satan. So darkness deceives. Are you with me? The person that's in darkness, they don't necessarily know that they're in darkness. Um... Darkness may have the appearance of good. Darkness may offer comfort. Darkness, it may even make sense. Darkness may have the appearance of wisdom. It may have the appearance of logic. Does that make sense? So just the, a lot of stuff in the kingdom of God don't even make sense. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, die. Deny yourself. It don't make sense. He says, you want to be blessed? Give. You, you see what I'm saying? A lot of stuff don't make sense. And I'm saying that's the case for everything. But with darkness, a lot of times it makes sense and you could be being deceived. It's almost like walking into your house, which should be a comfortable place for you. And you don't even turn on the lights. Um, but because it's a comfortable place for you, you are very content and you can move and maneuver around everything in the dark. Does that make sense? And that's what it's like for the person who chooses to live their life without Jesus, who is the light. Does that make sense? Let me ask you a question. Are you comfortable in your life with what you are allowing because God is pleased with you or because there is not enough light to expose the obstacles? Darkness always ends in destruction. It always ends with separation from God. And if we're just being plain here, what is darkness is of sin. And the Bible says that the wages of sin, you got it, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And then it also says that the soul that sins shall die. If you recognize you're in darkness, you're in sin. And the soul that sins shall die. Are you with me? Are y'all track? I'm trying to make it as easily, as easy as I can. Choose Jesus. Choose Jesus. So how do I get rid of darkness? That's easy too. You turn on the light. Am I right? You turn on the light. Let's go to John chapter 1. Verse 1 through 9. 
And that says, in the beginning, this is amplified, in the beginning, before all time, was the word, Christ. And the word was God, and the word was God himself. He was present originally with God. All things were made and came into existence through him, and without him was not even one thing made that has come into being. In him, we're talking about Jesus, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5, and the light shines on in the darkness, for the darkness has never overpowered it. Glory to God. But put it out, absorbed it or appropriated it, and is unreceptive to it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist. This man came to witness that he might testify of the light, that all men might believe in it, adhere to it, trust it, and rely upon it through him. He was not the light himself but came that he might bear witness regarding the light. There it was. The true light was then coming into the world, the genuine, perfect, steadfast light that illumines every person. So again, let me give you a a revelation of who Jesus is. If you've missed it, he revealed himself as four different things right here. The creator, there was not a thing that was made that was not made through him. And he revealed himself as the word, as life, and as light. Did you get that? You can go dig deeper into that yourself, and you can have your own Bible study for the next month just on those things. Listen, but all of those things, they agree together. They work in harmony together. God is the creator, and, here's, and he, he calls Jesus the word. And I don't know if you ever thought this through, but what do words do? They express your thoughts. That's deep. I know. It's heavy. I know. Listen, words express your thoughts. So when God spoke... He spoke the word. He spoke Jesus. He expressed his thought, which was Jesus. And when Jesus came, Jesus was the life. That word life there is Zoe, God sustained life, God kind of life. And that life, which is Jesus on the inside of you, is the light of men. I know I said a whole lot. Got to go back and get the podcast now. Listen. But all of those things, they work together. See, the light is divine illumination. Jesus, the light, is divine illumination. It reveals and it imparts life through Christ. Jesus himself gives you purpose. Without Jesus, you thought you had purpose. You didn't. That was going to lead to death, destruction, separation from God. It was. Temporary fulfillment. But Jesus, the light on the inside of you, that actually brings Purpose. You see, ordinary light allows us to see by illuminating the way. It expels darkness. It brings clarity. But this light that I'm talking about right here, the light of light, is not just mere knowledge of the Bible. It's not doctrine. It's not necessarily theology. I know a lot of people. I tried to witness to a Muslim one time, and that joker knew more word at that time than I did. I know I've heard of several accounts of people who've read the Bible through several times and they still do not know the person of Jesus. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So even if you read this book and it's a great book, every believer should read it every day of their life. It does not mean that you know and have revelation of who Jesus is. Does that make sense? But here's the thing about Jesus, the light. When you see him, you truly see the light. And I want to talk about this light for a second. Go ahead and turn to Acts chapter nine. Three things that Jesus the light does, he slays, he blinds, and he illuminates. I'll say that again for those of us taking notes. Jesus the light, he slays, 
He blinds and he illuminates. In Acts chapter 9, verse 1, I'm going to start there. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound in Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. In other words, you keep doing what you're doing. It's going to end terribly for you. It's it's what he's saying. It's not a good thing, and it's not going to end well for you. Verse 6, and he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat or drink. Everybody say, the light that slays. Thank you. Yeah. Middle, come on. The light that slays. Oh, man. Y'all wait till Kim Cloud comes back. I'm, I'm trying to get y'all to rehearse now. Listen, if you have really seen the light, you would have fallen to the ground. That's what happened. If you've really seen the light, you would have been humbled. I don't know anybody who's ever truly encountered God and have been the same after that. If you've truly seen, I know, I know a lot of times we have great moments of worship and there's tears and there's all sorts of emotion and there's all sorts of hype. But if you've truly encountered God, you're humbled afterwards. You are humbled after. And so here's the thing. At this time, we're talking about Saul, who would later become the Apostle Paul, great man of God. But at this time, Saul was just Saul. But he was a man uh, that thought he had it going on. You know what I mean when I say that? Saul, um, in Philippians 3, verse 4, verse 8, he talks about all the reasons he had to boast. This is what he said. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh, that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. Here's what he's saying. I have come from good stock. I am somebody. I am from the elect of the elect and all of Israel. I know who I am. Does that make sense what I'm saying? And if anybody had any reason to boast, it would have been Saul. And if you don't know, you're saying, well, he persecuted the church. Why would he have anything? But at that time, they thought they were doing God's work. They did not have the revelation of who Jesus was. So he said in verse 7, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, from whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. In other words, he's saying, I had it all. 
I had it all. I had it going on. I was looking good. I was smelling good. I could have got anything I wanted when I wanted it, how I wanted. But when I met Jesus, he knocked me on my behind. He was humbled. And that's what a lot of us need, myself included. We have to remember that, yeah, you are great. You are a son. You are a daughter. He loves you just the way you are. But some of us need to be knocked on our butt sometimes. And that's what a real encounter with Jesus Christ, it will do just that. When you fall, when you hit the dirt, you do so as dead men. What do you mean by dead men? When you said, I do to Jesus Christ, you died. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not you. I've never seen so many believers with so many opinions about stuff that don't matter to the believer. Why are we so opinionated about stuff that I'm just going to come back over here. Listen. Listen. Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble. But listen. When you truly encounter Jesus Christ, he humbles you. If your encounter doesn't slay you, then it isn't light. It isn't Jesus. It is counterfeit. If it doesn't humble you, if it does not make you want to lower yourself, if it does not make you want to yield, which, by the way, is the definition of worship, then it's counterfeit. It's not Jesus. You want to worship the Lord? You want to be the best worshiper in the house? Be the person who's the best at yielding because that's what worship is, and that's what he seeks, those that will worship him, John 4. And you might say, Joshua, I hear you. You're preaching real good. Maybe you're not. I'm not in darkness. But even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Let's go on to the next part. Jesus, the light that blinds. If you were to look at the sun, S-U-N, and walk into a dark room, you would be so impacted, so affected by the brightness of the sun that you won't even notice the darkness. Does that make sense? You ever look at the sun? I could be the, at the 9 a.m. service. I was the only person who had ever looked at the sun. And so you look at the sun and you get these um, purplish, bluish. Bl- okay, y'all real. Thank you. Yeah. Listen, you get these blots in your eye and you, and you really and you really can't see. And that's how it should be when you really encounter uh, Jesus. It has that same effect on you. Again, if the light doesn't blind you, if this encounter doesn't blind you, then it isn't Jesus. If it doesn't leave you a little hazy like Saul, a little disoriented, it's not Jesus. A real encounter with Jesus will make you not want to pick up your baggage, your idols. See, when I first read that, it says Saul, he went to the high priest and he got these letters. You know what those letters did? Those letters to him represented permission, uh, authority, uh, validation. It said that I am somebody. You're going to do what I say because I got letters. It gave him purpose. It really did. But when he met Jesus and he was slain and he was blinded, it said he got up from there. And it I, I don't even think he picked those letters up. I really don't think. But if he did, they probably had a different meaning to him now. He probably counted them as dung. 
so that he may win Christ. The only thing in his hand that the Bible says was that his hand was placed in the hand of the men that were with him and they led him away. So what are your letters? Are you finding validation in a title? Are you finding validation in letters behind your name? Maybe letters written on your purse? Are you finding validation um, in what the man says and what this woman says? I mean, I mean, let's be real, right? Are you finding validation because people give you a pat on the back? It, it don't mean a hill of beans. What other people say, all that matters is what God says. That's all that matters. And if you spend time with him, he will tell you why he loves you. He will tell you what you mean to him. He will tell you where to go, what to do, how to do it. Because he's a good father and he cares about every, every detail of your life. You see, when you are blinded by Jesus, it's almost like he has to do that so that you can begin to see a new way. You know what I mean? Um, you begin to examine people and the world through the same lens that Jesus does. You begin to see people instead of like they trifling. You begin to say things out of compassion. It does break your heart. It, 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 he changes you. And don't you want to see how Jesus sees? Don't you want to love how Jesus love? See, if you're not seeing right, then you aren't speaking right. Your words, they follow your thoughts and your thoughts follow your perception. So if you aren't seeing right, you aren't thinking right. If you aren't thinking right, you aren't speaking right. You're probably just speaking darkness, probably speaking death. You're probably discouraging and tearing people down. But when Jesus gets a hold of you and you seek to live life through the lens of Jesus, oh man, you will encourage, you will build up, you will inspire. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Don't y'all want to do that? It's time for us, the church, you and I, to walk the same way that Jesus did. It's time. And here's the third thing. Jesus, the light, he illuminates. Um, a couple of years ago, maybe two years ago now, or at least this, the first men's encounter we had, um, Pastor Mitch came down. Uh, men's encounter, it's every March. Men, when we start announcing that, come. Right? Pastor Cameron, I didn't say it like, you know it. Listen, we had um, the first men's encounter. I'll never forget it. <clears throat> it changed me. Pastor Mitch comes down on a Saturday morning, and he's preaching um, something about the relationship between, like, a man and, 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 a, and his father, like, forgiveness, and, you know, maybe things weren't the way they should have been, and finding forgiveness and things like that. And I'm thinking, that's cool. That's cute. I don't really need that. Um, I, have a good, I have a good father, great father at home. And so that's good, but I'm seeing men getting free. You know, definitely the Lord was in it, and the Lord was definitely using it. Man's encounter is over. We get back here. <clears throat> I'm leading worship. So pastor preaches that same message again. So I hear it at the men's encounter. <clears throat> I hear it at the 9 a.m. service. I hear it at the 11 a.m. service. And again, shh, people getting free. And I'm just like, <laughs> that's a good word. But it, I didn't need that. Are, are y'all following? Don't act like some of y'all ain't thinking, Joshua, you preaching good, but I don't need that. <laughs> Come on. So at that time, we had prayer on Sunday nights. Again, you should come to prayer. On Saturdays, not this Saturday, but you should come to prayer on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. And then tomorrow, Monday at 12. And then Tuesday, tw listen, prayer is how we connect with God. It's how we communicate with God. If he knows everything, why wouldn't you pray? So if you can come Saturday morning and pray, just a little plug. We should love prayer, the church. 
who has a revelation of Jesus should love prayer. And so I come here Sunday night. Pastor Mitch goes, we're just going to wait on God tonight. Put the music on and just sit and just wait on God. My little boy, uh, Levi, I forget how old he was at the time. He's like, can I come with you? And whenever he asked to come to prayer with me, and he comes a lot of most Saturdays with me, I bring him. But he's not going to pray for a whole hour. Let's just be honest. So I bring his tablet, his little headphones, so we don't have to keep running to the water fountain. You know, I bring him water. When you were trying to wait on God, you get hungry. So I just try to nip all that in the bud. So we got his whole setup. We sitting over there, and we got the whole setup. And um, we're just sitting, and Levi is a distraction. He turned that water bottle up, and he got crumbs everywhere, and he's smacking. Oh, my God, he never smacked so loud. And I'm just like, we're trying to pray. Get it together. So when, he finally, when I finally am able to block it out, I sit down, and that same stuff that the Lord was doing at the encounter and at the 9 a.m. and at that 11 a.m. service, he started talking to me about it. Oh, my God. I ain't never cried so much in my life. And that's what he does. He begins to illuminate things that may not have even been a bad thing, that may not have even been a problem. See, if you know me and how I'm wired, I need God's approval, and I need an attaboy for my wife. That's it. That's all I really need. I don't really need your feedback. But, I mean, you can tell me when I'm doing a good job, though. Like, you can say amen. You can give me a pat on the back. Like, it just stop, stop. I don't need it. But I'm for real. Like, at any time, at any time, like, I really don't. I just don't find validation and stuff like that unless it, it comes from the Lord, um, you know, from my wife. Obviously, my, my, my leaders, you know, that means a, a lot to me as well. And the Lord just starts saying stuff to me like, you know, um, just that pertains to him. As I'm, it's not none of your business what he said, but just for stuff that pertains <laughs> to me and him and our relationship. And I just I cried and I snotted and it was ugly. And Levi goes, are you okay? And the next time Saturday rolls around, I'm like, you want to go to prayer with me? He like, are you not going to cry? And so now I try to just hold it together, try to be strong for my son, you know, because he'd be judging me and stuff like that. But that's what he does. Jesus, the light, he reveals. He pushes back darkness so that what is in front of us can be seen. He reveals what's always been there. So those things he started messing with me about, they've always been there. I've just, you know, just been tolerant to it, I guess. I built up these walls, and so I didn't even know there were problems until he started shining light on it. We're talking about Jesus' delight. It offers comfort to those in need of it, a bit of discomfort for those who aren't ready for God to expose areas of their heart. Light is for drawing Think of all the bugs that, you know, that are drawn to your windows at night and all the bugs that surround the porch lights at night. His life, his light, excuse me, it offers hope to anybody who might be in the middle of a dark tunnel and need a rescuing. His light draws. It has a, it has a pull on you. And I want to I read a few scriptures to you real quick. John chapter 1 verse 5 says, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Isaiah 9, 2 says, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them have the light shine. Listen, this is the gospel. John 1 outlines the gospel. Uh, Isaiah 9 outlines the gospel really well. Jesus, who was here before the earth began, who created the earth, because we were in need of redeeming, he came down to redeem his most precious creation, you and I, mankind. And it says that though the light came into the world, though the light created it all, it says 
We did not know it. We didn't recognize him. We rejected him. But even in our rejection, even in us not understanding or comprehending it, it does not negate the fact that he came. Love was his motivator. And so he came any way. You have a choice today. The earth is a dark place. Our nation is a dark place. You may personally be in a dark place. Don't miss the fact that Jesus, the light, has come. You can choose darkness or you can choose the light. You can choose separation from God or you can choose salvation and healing and deliverance and redemption. You guys, you know where I'm going with that. There's nothing good that dwells in the darkness. Nothing good exists outside of God. Those things. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon says they're just vanity. They're vain. They're empty. They're futile. They're fruitless. Fruit is something the Lord looks for. His light is shining and you have to pick one. And I'm not just talking about salvation right now. I'm talking about areas in your life that God is exposing and you know he is right now in your heart, in your home, in your business, whatever it is, he's exposing, he's shining light on that stuff. He's all in your business right now. And you got to choose to surrender to him or keep going with darkness. Does that make sense? We all have responsibility in this whole thing. Listen, Isaiah 60, this is a uh, a favorite of ours here at Victory, uh, Victory Church. It says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. There are people who do not know the Lord. There are kings. There are people of influence that the Lord wants you to be in position to draw them. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Does that make sense? When you show up in the break room at work, all that filth, all that gossip, all that, it should just zip because the kingdom of God is here. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Matthew 5 verse 14 says, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. God's light and his life is on the inside of us. But if you give attention to anything but Jesus, hear me out, you are contributing to the darkness. If it's not Jesus, it's diminishing the light. It's diminishing the flame. And you are contributing to the darkness. I bet we'll have to give an account for that. I bet we will. So the only person, the only thing worthy for you to give your attention, and what do I mean by attention? I mean spending time with him. I mean every day reading your word. I mean every day praying. I mean when the... I don't know. When we say, hey, we have small groups, sign up for a small group because fellowship with other believers is pertinent. You should see the guys that I run with. Man, we stay stirred up. 
We stay on fire, challenging each other, sharpening each other. You need that. When the doors of the church are open, you need to come. I'm not talking to y'all because y'all here. And I love you if you're online. And I, I know the Lord knows where you are with that. And he has a boatload of grace for that. But if you're being deceived, this is a wake-up call. Amen? Don't give attention to anything but Jesus because then you are contributing to the darkness. It's just like Matthew 5. It's literally you taking this candlestick and hiding it under a basket. You guys know about Matthew 25, the uh, 10 virgins? I won't read the whole thing, but I'll paraphrase real quick. The 10 virgins, five the Bible calls wise, five the Bible calls foolish, and they have oil and they have lamps, and they are waiting for the bridegroom, who is Jesus, to show up. Jesus does not come as soon as they thought he would, so they take a nap, and that's okay. But then somebody says, hey, the bridegroom coming, y'all get up. And the five foolish virgins say, hey, can we borrow some oil? Because we didn't tend to the flame. We didn't do what we were supposed to do to be ready for when the bridegroom comes. And the five wise virgins say, go buy some. And the five foolish virgins, they went to go buy some, and they missed the whole party. They missed the whole, the doors were shut. You understand? And when you see doors in the Bible, that, you know, literally, oftentimes, that signifies transition. I think I might be speaking about the hour we're living in right now. There's a transition that is happening. Will you have oil in your lamp? Will you be ready? Are you ready? Let me give you a practical example of that because I know it's getting thick in here right now. I have a wonderful neighbor. Shout out to Bruce Sloan if you're watching. Wonderful friend. Uh, he goes here. And um, Bruce cuts my grass. And um, he does. He does a great job because the Lord told him to do so, and I will not going to stop him. So the Lord um, put it on his heart. And so one day I come outside. I had, um, had a bunch of br- uh, brush and limbs and stuff that I need to burn. And so um, we, had, we started a fire. And so my mind is in preparation for this sermon. It's about two weeks ago. And so as I am tending to the flame here, I um, have my garden hoe, and I'm thinking about my sermon. I'm going, oh, look at here. I'm so cute. I'm like, I'm tending to the flame. I'm reading my Bible. I'm pushing stuff. I'm making the fire bigger. I'm making the fire brighter and hotter. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I'm coming to church. I'm doing all this. I'm like, that's good. That's a good word right there. It's real good. I'm in a small group. I'm doing all these things. And then I think I'm done, so I leave the fire alone. Fire diminishes. It goes out. And then Bruce says, hey, when I ride my riding mower, Bruce is a tall man, around some of the trees with these low limbs, it's really hard for me to get under. Can we cut some of those down? I'm like, yeah, great. So I go get my garden hoe, and I'm trying to resurrect this fire again. I'm throwing stuff on it. I'm, I'm trying to boy scout that thing, and I can't get nothing started. I go get, and I get lighter fluid, and I just can't get the fire big enough. So here's what happened. So now we've cut these big old branches down, things that I did not expect when I went outside to have to do. I didn't expect Mr. Bruce to say, hey, let's cut. Can we cut these limbs? So I wasn't prepared for it. I had let my fire die. And so now all of a sudden life happens. Branch one. Circumstance happened. Branch two. I don't know. Sickness. I need healing. And I don't have enough fire. I don't have enough faith stirred up to consume what life is throwing 
at me. I had stopped paying attention, stopped tending to the fire, and I didn't have it. Listen, them branches are still in my backyard today. I couldn't work the fire up hot enough, big enough to even do the things that life threw at me. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? If you don't tend to the fire, what are you tending to? I know a lot of times, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wrap up here real soon. I know a lot of times, you know, you see the, the youth just came back from their fall retreat. Awesome. If you're here, it's an expectation. The youth are coming back, and this whole front is just flooded with hype. We're excited. We're on fire. The men come back from the men's encounter, and this whole altar is on fire. And I'm, and I'm not glorifying this. It's not about what we do up here. Because emotions fade, all those things, life happens, things happen. But what happens if you don't tend to that fire? These, these kids or these men, we go out and we get set on fire for the Lord and we come back. And some of us, if we're really wise, we would tend to that flame. But some of us, they're not here. They're not where the Lord needs them to be. They've let their light diminish. They stopped tending to the flame. And so there's no distinction between them and darkness. They show up at work and no one goes, shh, the kingdom of God just walks in. The devil and the demons, they go, oh, don't worry about him. He got no authority. He doesn't have the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. To him, he's not Christ, the son of the living God. Yeah, he was on fire about a week ago, but <laughs> that fire is, I don't even smell smoke anymore. Like, it's, it's done. It's over with. Let's go back to cussing and demeaning people and saying the first thing that comes to our mind, you know, tearing down people. Let's go back to doing stuff like that because that's real good. Child of God, that should not be so. That is not what you and I are called to do. Ms. Jody, can I get your help? That is not what we are called to do. I want to read one more scripture while she makes her way up here. Where, uh, Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 3 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Here it is. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, right there, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your own minds. Do you consider him when you choose to participate in darkness? Do you consider him when you choose to open up your mouth about one of God's kids? Do you consider him before you so easily, knowingly sin? Do you consider what it cost God the Father, his son? Do you consider the, the hole in his side, the holes in his hands, the holes in his feet, the lashes on his back? Do you consider them spitting in his face? Do you consider the thorns of crowns on his head, the bleeding, the agony? Do you consider it? Or is it just that easy to be conformed into darkness? The Bible says, walk in the light as he is in the light. And Jesus makes it so easy. Not only does he make it easy, he makes walking in the light worthwhile. 
So how easy is it for you to just turn to darkness, to dismiss the kingdom of light, to acquiesce to the way this world thinks, to say what somebody else said, words that aren't even rooted in scripture. How easy is that? You got to find your identity in Christ. That's the bottom line. And God's light, Jesus the light, his divine light is illuminating some things today. Can I pray for you real quick? Go ahead and close your eyes, bow your head. Father God, we love you and we honor you. God, it's our prayer that you would come and that you would search our hearts. Expose those areas within us, Father God, that are not pleasing to you. Expose those things within us, Father God, that you just want to talk about. And God, we know that when you do this, we know that freedom freedom comes. We know that grace and life happens, Father God. So, Father God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. That you would just have your way in us. I pray, Father God, that you overwhelm us with who you are this week. That you overwhelm us. That you overpower us, Father God. That you knock us down. That you humble us. That you blind us so that we can see the way that you see, Father God. And that you use that light, that beautiful light of yours, Father God, to expose our hearts. Conform us into the image of your Son, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless y'all.